This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle. Get in on the conversation at 866-979-ESPN. Now here's your host, the professor, John Clayton. And we are taking your phone calls. Dave Grosby joining us at the bottom of the hour. Let's go to Jeff in Kent. Hey, Jeff. Hey, John. Well, you laughed at me when the season started when I said this team could win 90 games. And that was with a healthy Marco and a Paxton. Just imagine how this team would be if we had a healthy Paxton, a good, healthy Marco. Just five games from each one of those guys. That puts us right up there in first place with Houston. And this team is going to get better. I don't think it's going to fade. The youth might get tired. But uh, I just got a good feeling about this team. And hopefully they don't trade Hanniger. I was on the fence, but now I'm thinking keep him. And the best, the best off-season deal this team made was for Flexen. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I mean, um, just he's just he's just outstanding. And I didn't even think this bullpen—that was my one question mark for this team—was that bullpen. And those guys have just really stood up and did the job. Yeah, because again, it's like I mean, uh, you know, I'm not asking you to do this because I can't do it. But it's like, uh, it's like, yeah, you know, can can you even go through mentally without looking at the, a roster and name the guys in the bullpen? I mean, it's such a struggle because again, it's like there, there's so many new names and so many guys you've never heard of, but they're doing such a great job. I mean, Seawald obviously is the one that's uh, surprised everybody, you know, being able to go in and get all those closings and st- stuff like that. But yeah, it's been remarkable to think that with all the stuff that they have, and of course, I mean, you know, they don't have Paxson. You know, they're down uh, other starters, Justin Dunn and all that stuff. Yet, somehow, some way, there's six games over 500. You know, and I would put, like I keep saying, I put at least five or six, maybe seven losses right on service and is, and is managing you know, by not, you know, being aggressive and, you know, yeah, see, that's, and that's, that. that's where I disagree because again, it's like you're missing all these starters. You're missing your, your center fielder. Uh, you know, you've had, you know, injuries galore and yet they're winning. And it's like, it's like, are you more interested in just watching, uh, you know, small ball or are you more interested in winning? Oh, I want to win, but I want to win, but I want to get us runs because like last night it showed that when you leave men on base, and the other team comes back. You need that extra run or two to give you that cushion. And we, you know, we had a cushion. We had men on base a lot last night. We didn't push them in. And what happens? They come back and they just, you know, good luck. We didn't lose that game. We won by one game. I mean, that's my one problem with service is not him not being more aggressive and pushing it and trying to get more runs when we have men on base. Like I said, you know, first. And but second, if you're if you're out, going to run more, you're going to get more outs. There's good. I mean, it's like, and you want to preserve each out as you can, and say but what that, you want. They that, they are they they do. Where, where are they rank right now as far as stealing bases and all that stuff? They're may, they're not the most aggressive team, but they are aggressive. I'm just saying overall. I'm just saying those games that I see that we could have won because of what you know service didn't do. And the other thing I like to see is I like to see Fraley at second bat second. Because uh, he can handle a bat, a one-two combination, a hit and run with Fraley and Crawford. Then you have Haniger at third and Seager bat and cleanup. I think that's a lot better than having Seager at second. And you know, he's going to get runs in. He's going to get uh, Crawford in. But I think if you have Fraley bat in second, we have more chance to get men on base and get more runs in. But I just I like the looks of this team, and yeah. hopefully we get hopefully we get 
one more starter somehow um, to just fill in because we need one more starter. Because Dunn, I don't know if he's going to come back. Marco, I hope Marco comes back around and gets back into his groove. Because if he does, we've got one heck of a good starting lineup with Marco, Flexen, Kikuchi, and Gilbert. If we could just get one more guy, mm-hmm. um, look at look out. And if we could trade, I know we got a good bullpen, but if we could trade for you know a one lockdown closer, like you know going to the ninth inning, we're ahead. Forget about it. Game over. Mariners win. That's the only thing I can see that we really need. And um, yeah, but that's going to be unlikely to get because again, it's I like a, who's going to who's going to give that up? Nobody's going to give. That I know. There's, I know. There, let's put it this way: there, there's not the thirty uh, lockdown uh, closers in this league. Yeah, I know, but hopefully, one of the teams that's losing is willing to trade. We could work out a deal to get one more closer. But I think we need because because Montero is not it. No, he's I mean, terrible. Just might he's, as well let he's might awful. let him go. You know, but we need it. We need a nut, one more closer. And I, I just like our line. I like the youth. I like the the uh, attitude. I like service as a manager. I think we keep him. And um, and you you imagine, we don't have Lewis for almost the yeah. whole year. We don't have Paxton. Marco Marco got hurt. Other guys Dunn got hurt. Um, it's just amazing what this team is at. And you look at the batting averages for these guys. I mean, most of our bat most of our guys are batting. 200, we're close to the Mendoza line on a bunch of guys, and we're still winning because they're playing smart, great baseball. And that's a credit and to Scott got, Service. And, and see, that, that's yeah. the thing. Like you talk about, you know, stranding guys and uh, you know not being ag- aggressive enough. It's like you got a team with a 217 batting average. So it's like uh, you know more than not, you're not going to get those drive uh, ability to drive in the big runs and all that different stuff because again you got a team with a 217 batting average it's know, it's, it's not a matter of the running it's a matter of the hitting well it's clutch hitting too they're getting yeah. clutch hits when they need it and that's the thing you don't if i got a guy i'll take i'll take 250 from a hitter if he's getting me one run a game like with with Seager or something yeah i'll take your your 220 as long as you can knock in runs when we need it when you're up there when it counts you know, I don't care about you up there. With, well, I do care if you're up there with nobody out, you're leading off and getting off base. But if you can knock in runs, you know, when it counts, so much better. And with Crawford, I mean, he, we found our leadoff guy for the yeah. next who knows how long. Now, if you could just, like I keep saying, if they could hire Ricky Henderson or Macklemore or somebody that could teach this kid the fine art of being a leadoff hitter. Because when you're a leadoff hitter, your job is to get on base and cause chaos. Get in that pitcher's head. That's what Ricky used to do. You get in that pitcher's head to make him think about you more than the batter, and he's going to make more mistakes. And if that kid could learn how to be a great leadoff hitter, he's going to be something else for us. Well, right now I think he's uh, something else because, as uh, Gary Hill and other people were saying, he's not just the best fielding shortstop in the league, but he may be the best defensive player in the league. And he, he's done that well, and he has hit. He's hit home runs. He's done a lot of different things. But, again, like any young player, you're still developing, and he's developing at a very good pace. Hey, Jeff, thank you for the phone call. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Bob in Bothell. Hey, Bob. Hey, John, thanks for taking my call. Thanks um, for calling. I, I wanted to get your opinions on a couple of things. Um, one, 
what's going on with Dwayne Haskins and the the Pittsburgh Steelers and his wife? What what happened there? Well, what you know, happened? I, thought, I guess they're in Vegas, and uh, you know, there's a whole bunch of friends and stuff like that uh, that were uh, you know wanted to go out and you know hit the town and all those different things. And I guess the women were a little slow in getting ready. And so uh, the guys, you know, started to leave, and that got his wife mad. And so his wife punched him in the face uh, once they got together and bro- knock a tooth out. Oh, sh- <laughs> Okay. So yeah. what, it was right. well, then, he, he didn't hit her. <laughs> she yeah. hit him. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Now, this is my question um, to you. Do you think there's a problem with um, – players in general is there a behavioral counsel for the nfl i mean i'm looking at all these players that have had issues domestic or non and i'm just wondering what does the nfl really do i mean you got players on kansas city now san francisco baltimore the steelers um you know ben rothenberger's past you know and all that and i'm just like what goes on with the nfl and you know their player development. Mm-hmm. Is, it, uh, is it a CTE problem? Is it a alcohol problem? What is it? Well, know, the, it the, seems- again, what it comes down to is that the the NFL and the NFL Players Association offers as much as you possibly can, maybe more than any other business, as far as the help that they can offer you. But the thing is, it's not you know they can't interfere with your life. It's like you've got to if you want the help, you can get the help. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of help. It's just a matter that uh, you know if you don't, how are they going to know about it? You know they're not going to see what's going on in your home. You're, they're not going to have cameras at the house and be able to sure. uh, see what's going on there. But I mean, there's plenty that's there, and it's all there for them. I mean, like for example, but it even seems like, even like for John, example, it seems like there's a lot of signs, you know, pro, you know that would would you know catch someone's attention. You know, let's use Richard Sherman. To, in its example, I'm sure there have been a lot of signs where the NFL staff that like, wait, you know, maybe we should sit down and talk with them and see what's going on. I, have they done that? Have they been proactive and just approach, you know, players like that just in a casual way? Hey, you want to sit down and talk? You know, we noticed some issues with you, you know, just not, I, I wouldn't say issues, you know, but just behavioral things and we want to talk. Well, it's up have to the player. It's that? up to the player and the family to reach out because I mean, how are you going to reach out if you don't know? I mean, you know, you've got uh, 2,700 players in this league right now, 2,700 players. And so, you know, certainly there's going to be numbers that are going to, uh, you know, it's been like about 17 arrests or something of that nature. But again, it's like, uh, you know, the uh, the league isn't going to know. The Players Association isn't going to know. The families are going to know. And so it's like it's still up to the player and the family and everybody else to reach out. But if you don't, it's like what what can what can happen? I mean, it's like it's not like you can interfere with somebody's life uh, uh, when you think that when you just don't know. Understood. Okay. Now back to a, a legitimate football question: What are the ramifications for the Hawks if they underperform for you know this year? What do you, in your opinion, sir? Because your opinion matters in my book. You know, yeah, I don't care yeah. what. You know, what do you think would happen? Do you think it's just like going to blow up if we won and done in the playoffs again? No. I'll take your answer off the air. Yeah, they're, 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 not gonna, they're, awesome. they're not going to blow anything. They're not going to blow anything up. I mean, again, it's like they've got you know a good team. You know, they've got uh, guys that are on multi-year contracts. I mean, the big the big thing is there's a lot of guys that are on one-year contracts, like all but one of the cornerbacks that are on one-year deals. You know, they've got. 
to do something with uh, Jamal Adams and, uh, you know, certainly uh, Quandre Diggs and all that stuff. I mean, so, you know, if they if things fall apart, then some guys may not be re-signed. But overall, I mean, they're still building and trying to do the best they can. And so it's like uh, they're not going to break things up. I mean, you know, Pete Carroll signed on a five-year extension. John Snyder signed a six-year extension, and they did this with the idea of continuing to build and get in. And, of course, I mean, this team's only missed, like, one playoff since Pete Carroll's been here. Same thing with John Snyder. And so it's like, uh, you know, uh, breaking up the team is not part of what they're going to do. Uh, If anything, it's just a matter of keep adding and seeing what they can do. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Also, we can take your text questions at 710-710 on the Mac and Jack text line. Let's go to Chris in Everett. Hey, Chris. Hey, what's up, John? I haven't, um, I, I've been hearing your show these last couple of days. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I, I mean, I mean, a couple of weeks. So, anyways, um, I like your show. It's all good. Well, thank um, you. How was you and your wife date last night? Uh, good, good. We went to uh, River Rock, uh, the uh, restaurant at the golf course <clears throat> here in Renton, and uh, she uh, she loved having her. Uh, because oh, they had they, they actually put this back on the menu, but you know some lemon scallops, and she just loved that. Oh, nice! So, hey, my shout out to my friend Aaron. He's a Cardinals fan. So, anyways, um, I'm just wondering about the Cardinals and the Seahawks. So, yeah. how many wins do you think the Cardinals might go for? You know, I think they can have as many as eight or nine. I think that'd be the max. I mean, obviously, what holds them back <clears throat> is this division, because again going to be hard for anybody to do better than four and two in this division and I think the most likely thing is that you know you go three and three in the division mm. but I think that you know they're good enough to you know use the rest of their schedule and maybe win six games so it's like uh you know I, I think that you know they can you know win uh seven or eight seven or eight okay and maybe uh, nine. But, oh yeah so hey I'm glad Sherman is off the hook but not yet <laughs> but no, I know no. but anyways um uh, the Cardinals, the, the Arizona Cardinals, but after this, we're talking about the Seahawks. Um, so when are they going back to the Super Bowl? Next couple of years, or is it for a while, you think? Or Who, less the, than that? the Seahawks? Uh, both of the teams, Seahawks and the Cardinals. It's going to take a couple of years for the Cardinals to be able to even consider that. Seahawks, Seahawks are you know right in the mix right now. We'll see if they can get over the top. Uh, you know, because the, uh, you know, you still have Tampa Bay, Green Bay, if Aaron Rodgers is there, I mean, you still have some real tough competition. New Orleans are going to be out of the mix, you know, because again, I think with, uh, Jameis Winston replacing Drew Brees and all yeah. the, the changes that they've had losing starters because of the cap, that's going to be an issue. But in the end, I think that, you know, the Seahawks have a chance, but still Arizona's a young team. Although the one thing about, <clears throat> I say Arizona's a young team, but you look at their additions in this offseason, and they added a lot of guys in their 30s. That's mm. concerning. Yeah. So, um, Buddha Baker, he's one of my former, former, I'm a big fan of his. Yeah. But, anyways, um, can, can the Seattle Seahawks get Sherman back? I'm a big, I'm a huge Sherman fan. I'd, I'd say right now it's unlikely. I think the big, the big thing is that, uh, you know, as, as far as, you know, the, the Richard Sherman has to take care of himself. He needs to get the help he's going to be needed, and then that's going to take some time. Obviously, the you know five charges against him, you know there could be a suspension or anything else. But I'd say right now, I mean it's hands off 
because again, it's like uh, you you can see that he's got several problems that he's got to deal with, and until he deals with the problems and you know conquers them, then I don't think anybody's going to sign him. Mm. Hey, John, what'd you have for breakfast this morning? I have uh, nothing. I don't eat breakfast. Oh no. Okay. Hey, thanks for the phone call, John, and you have a great week, and I, and I hear you on the radio on Monday with Bob and Dave. Okay, sounds good. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to David in Bellingham. Hey, David. Hey, John. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Hey, with your, with your decades in this business, do you believe, in your opinion, did Richard Sherman harm himself in a way where he will not be able to get into the media business because I, I, for what I saw, he was the perfect fit. Mm-hmm. He was gonna, he was gonna fit beautifully. Do you think he destroyed that opportunity? No, I don't think so. I think it's a matter of him bouncing back. And you know, I thought that his statement yesterday was well done, talking about how remorseful he was and all that stuff. I mean, you know how good he is talking and uh, and how good he is. And so, you know, and, and certainly. <clears throat> He can go on TV formats and talk about, well, here's where I went wrong and here's where I fixed uh, fixed himself. But, you know, it's, I don't think he's, you know, it, it, let's put it this way. His career has not ended. Maybe not. Maybe it's in on delay in football and maybe it may not happen in football. But, no, I still think he can get into the media business. Okay. Hey, well, good. I'm on the radio. John, I had, uh, I had a question about the Raiders. Yeah. Have you heard anything new out of the Raider camp? Because it's it's just like you never hear anything out of the Raider camps ever. It's just it's like Al's still there, just blocking everything. Well, I mean, you know, it's like uh, you know, in the last uh, several weeks, nobody's been able to do much. I mean, like for example, you go on the waiver wire this week, and there was only one player that was signed <clears throat> that was new, and that was Isaiah Ford, a wide receiver from Miami. Going back uh, to the Dolphins, he was a 2017 draft, a 217 draft pick in the seventh round. But again, you know, it's been pretty uh, quiet now for about three, four weeks because everybody's on vacation. Now they're coming back from vacation. There'll be more things happening this week than in previous weeks. I mean, Taylor Moten got the, uh, you know, a, a, a five-year contract as a franchise player. But no, I mean, between the Raiders, I mean, have you seen any moves made by the Seahawks? No. I mean, you haven't seen moves made by anybody because what's happened is that everybody's on vacation. And so now it's going to pick up this week. But, it, you know, from the Raiders' standpoint, I mean, they've they've been, you know, a little bit active toward the end of uh, June, but that was about it. I certainly hope that Sherman didn't damage his abilities because I love the guy. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm not a Seahawk fan, uh, but I love the guy, and I agreed with 99% of the things he said. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he may he may have said it in a brash way and, and a little rough around the edges, but I think he would have gotten very good at that, and I hope he still gets an opportunity because he's good. He's good for football. Yeah, he I, I, really hope, I hope so football. too. And so, and again, it's like a, and the story I have with him is that when I won the uh, award for uh, broadcasting in the state, the Keith Jackson award, I asked him to present me and he did. And he did such a flattering job of what he said and how he said it. And so it's like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for him to be able to battle his demons and be able to get this fixed and then see where it goes from there. Hey, thank you for the phone call. Thanks, John. Okay, coming up next, our weekly dose of the Graz with Dave Grosby. That's coming up next.
This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. And it's time for our weekly dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. And so uh, another remarkable achievement by the Mariners last night, getting off to the 6-2 lead, having Sam Flexen play such a great pitching performance, seven innings, like 79 pitches, only giving up two runs. And then, of course, things kind of went a little awry in the ninth inning, giving up three runs, particularly with a uh, bad fielding play by at second blaze, base. But overall, I never thought that you'd see the Mariners here this late be six games over 500, Gross. Well, that was the sort of game, John, that they would normally have blown in the past. Uh, yeah. You know, let's let's they had the 6-2 lead, then <clears throat> they had an easy double play to end the game, and Dylan Thomas makes a bad throw. Uh, then they have another play, and it, it, it wasn't an error on Seager, and it shouldn't have been, but it goes over the tip of his glove into the outfield, and, and all of a sudden you're looking at Shohani at the plate who, who fouls off pitch after pitch and eventually does get a base hit off Graveman after about a 10-pitch at bat. they got to go back into the bullpen to get another guy, and uh, it actually works out. They only give up the, 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 the three runs and, and win 6-5 to five in a game that, uh, you know, has the feel of a playoff game to it uh, for the Angels as well as they can't risk falling too far behind in this wild card race. And, and for the Mariners, you know, it, it's one you just put in your hip pocket and walk away and forget about. It's a good win. You scored early. You had a great night from Mitch Hanniger, a great night from Hanniger. Uh Jared Kelnick came back and had a hit off a very tough lefty, which was also another good sign. So, uh, you know, that was, they say, John, and by they I mean me, every team is going to win 60 games and it's going to lose 60 games. It's the other 42 games that make a difference. And that was one of those other 42 games last night that, that hung in the balance. And they really easily could have blown because of, because of everything that had gone on um, up to that point, and they didn't. So all very, very impressive stuff. Yeah, what, what do you think is the, uh, the reason that this team has such resilience? That's a great question. Um, it's a combination of, of, of things with them, John. They've got good good leadership. You know, I wanted to make another point, too. Uh, in, in the article in the paper, I think it was in the in Ryan Divish's piece in the Times yesterday, kind of talked about going up to the trade deadline and what they think. And, you know, would the Mariners, you know, possibly trade veterans like Mitch Hanniger? And they quoted J.P. Crawford as saying that would be a bad idea, would send a bad signal. And, you know, he really went into depth about it. And then, Kyle Seeger had the line that he, I think he said in training camp at the start of the year, it comes to a point you got to start trying to win. And, you know, they're at that point right now, and I think they're showing that resilience. And, and I think it's, it started with the veterans, but I think J.P. Crawford is a great example of showing resilience. You know, uh, who came and, uh, you know, was looking at uh, when he wasn't hitting at the start of the year, possibly even losing his job. And now has, has emerged into uh, into a, an answer for them at shortstop position, and no longer have to look for help at. I think you know having big hits is key. Shed Long's walk off grand slam still strikes me as a very important hit for this team uh, when it happens. So you know coming from behind is, has been a huge factor. Winning one run games has been a huge factor. Being almost unbeatable in extra innings has been a huge factor. So it's all those things that have kept them going and, and have put them in the position that they're in. I've said, John, during this 12-game stretch, they need to go 8-4, and four, now they need to go 7-4 and four with the win last night. And if they do that, they're going to be in a position where they're nine games over 500, with three games to go before the deadline, probably leading in, in the wild-card race. 
And um, I think that they'll add some talent, and, and uh, I think management will be compelled to do it, and they will do it. Look, you had the Angels uh, do what they did last night. Remember, the other team, other team chasing you is the Yankees. The Yankees got, got whacked with COVID, uh, including Aaron Judge, and they got a whole bunch of guys that are going to be gone for a while. They're, they're now thinking that they, they might not even have a chance to stay in the race. So it'd be nice to knock them off and not think about them and, and uh, dispatch the Angels with two more wins here. So it's a it's a very exciting and very impactful two week period for the Mariners. Yeah, no question about it. And of course, uh, you know one that uh, you know again I think surprises everybody, but also I think pleases everybody because again, you know it's this team is far overachieved. And you know I, I thought the line a couple of weeks ago that uh, you know it came from the general manager Jerry Depoto that he was saying that like when they were playing Toronto that you know in the comeback trail and I mean you've you've watched this for years and I mean do you agree with the idea if you're doing a tear down and build back it takes four maybe five years to be able to do it and here's this team what in year two and you know he said that toronto was a year ahead of them as far as their build up and yet this team has a better record than toronto well that's the thing i mean everyone has a plan but you've got to be smart enough and you've got to be versatile enough and you've got to be flexible enough that when circumstances change to change the plan now i don't think there's any question that the mariners can do that look to make additions at the trade deadline, to trade for guys who, who are, um, who are, you're getting to help you down the stretch. You don't trade primary minor league talent for that. You trade very low level talent. And you can get very good players at the trade deadline when teams are, when teams are stripping down. So this team might, uh, also be looking for some help at second base, I would think. Um, not just because of last night, but, but just in general. So, you know, they can look there, but if you're going to get deadline moves, you're not going to have to give up a lot to do it. So, they're not at that point yet. They've got to still get through the seven-game stretch with Houston and Oakland. But when they do, I've, I've, I've said this a couple of times, too. I believe that not just because of what happened in the preseason with Kevin Mather, not just because of the, um, the, the, the fact that they're playing well, but you know the fact that it's been 20 years, I think John Stanton is dying to spend some money. I think he's dying to show this fan base, which has shown him great support, that he wants to do something, and he has been hanging on to this rebuild, waiting for it to happen, but he wants to show. So I, I expect that if they stay in this race, and, and uh, last night was a nice step forward to doing it, you will see the Mariners adding some talent at the trade deadline. What other positions in second base do you think that they can look at? I think pitching. I think yeah. beyond second base, I think you know they're fairly sound, uh, You know, even though the Evan White thing hurt, they've, they've got a fairly sound infield. They're definitely set an outfield. Remember, there's Kelnick who's back now, and there's a very good chance that Kyle Lewis will be back in September. Well, I shouldn't say a very good chance. There's a chance that Kyle Lewis is back in September, which would be another particularly big boost. Um, you've already brought up Cal Lally, so you, you're fortified at the catching position. I think second base is the only position uh, on the field that you're looking for help at. And uh, like I said, I would, I would be looking at pitching. I would definitely be looking at starting pitching, uh, just a, a run-a-player type. Uh, you know, you, you, you also... But this is the other thing that to consider. You've got Marco Gonzalez, John, who's one and five, ERA about six, has been battling through stuff the first half of the year. But Marco Gonzalez is not a young pitcher going through tough times. Marco Gonzalez is a proven commodity who's pitched at an all-star level for two years. If he gets himself squared away, he can be good again this year. I mean, he's the kind of guy that has that kind of bounce back and resilience. He's not a guy like a Justin Dunn or Justice Sheffield, who you know, and Dunn has not been bad this year, but. Sheffield has, you know, who, who are, have not proven anything in the majors yet. Uh, Marco has. So, and remember, they're doing all this without him. 
So if he can, if he can, you just need maybe one good start from him, and all of a sudden, if he can become part, of, you know, what he was, adding to the the, the Mister Flexen, who is nine and three now and looks great, and Kikuchi is pitching today. All of a sudden, you got a big three that's pretty formidable in the rotation standpoint. So, it's uh, it's it's a fun time to be a baseball fan in Seattle here on July the seventeenth. That's for sure. What you what you look at uh, when you saw Jared Kelnick last night? Oh, it was a good hit off a tough left-handed pitcher, man. I mean, it was a tough spot to come back in a lefty on lefty circumstance, and and uh, Haney's a good lefty, and then he got a hit, which I think it broke that. I think it was an over forty-two stretch, so I'm glad he doesn't have to hear about that anymore. Uh, I thought good, and, and look, I thought the other thing too, John, with him is I want him to come back, and I want him to be cocky like he was. I understand that he had the wind taken out of his sails a little bit, but the reason he got to this point with his talent was because of his confidence. So uh, I want him to stay cocky and confident, and and um, hopefully last night was a step forward in that direction. I was pretty impressed with Cal Raleigh and how defensively he looks. I mean, the way he you know. You know, positions the uh, mitt to try to steal a couple strikes mm-hmm. that might be balls. Uh, you know, his ability to go down and catch, make sure he doesn't lose the ball and some lower pitches and all that stuff. Or th- I thought he was pretty impressive. I agree. I think he's everything they thought he would be. He looks like a long-term answer at that position. And, and if he stumbles a little bit, you've got Tom Murphy, who's a very capable veteran. You got Luis Torrens, who, who's hitting the stuffing out of the ball and, and, has, and has played some better defense behind the, behind home plate. So you're fortified back there, but I, I agree with you. Just an early early look. We've only seen him in two games, but I think we all like what we see from Cal Raleigh. I know we've talked about this since Wednesday, but uh, kind of now on the, on the football side of it, you know, how do you sort through the Richard Sherman story? Well, I thought yesterday, John, uh, we, we saw, uh, at least I'll, I'll speak for myself, I saw what I what I wanted to see, which was, you know, I mean, an acknowledgement that things, you know, happened and and uh, an acknowledgement that, that uh, I need to go out and get help and I'm going to go get it. And, and that, that, I think, is the, the most important thing to come out of it. I'm glad that no one was hurt, uh, which is uh, which is, was the other thing. It could have been could have been really bad uh, and it wasn't. So no one got hurt, uh, which is a positive thing. You know, he's got his family supporting him, which is a positive thing. And he acknowledges the need to go out and get help, which is another positive thing. So. I think Richard Sherman has got all the pieces in place to, to to get back to where he was. I think what he'll have frustrate what he'll have frustration with, and it was the same thing that I had frustration with when I went through depression, is um, you know you acknowledge it once you figure out what the problem is, you kind of expect the problem to end. You know when you're when you're a competitive person and you solve a problem, you're used to the problem being solved, and it's not the same way with this. This still takes time. You don't automatically feel better, so you got to stay with it. Uh, as tough as it is, and as frustrating as it is, and and uh, that'll be that'll be his challenge. But he's definitely going down the right path. It sounds like so far. Yeah, I thought his statement being remorseful. You know, uh, saying that uh, you know he realizes the mistakes that he's made and all those different things. And you know, the fact that he is saying that he's going to try to correct it, I thought was very important. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But uh, like uh, his challenge is going to be now that he said it and he knows it, he's going to expect it to be over. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't work that way. It just, it, it still lingers. You still got to work through it and you still got to suffer with it. So, you know, the important thing in the days and weeks to come is to not get frustrated. And if he doesn't, he'll bounce back, I think, because it, it sounds like he's got a, he's got a good framework around him to bounce back. He's got good friends and, and it sounds like a, a good family unit that, that, that wants to take care of him. And that's, that's a big part of the fight right there. So what's on the agenda for the garage this weekend? 
A little British Open, John. Oh, okay. I'm gonna watch a little British Open. I'm actually the the fi- it's weird that it's the final major of the year, but but it is, and and uh, it's early morning stuff. So I've been I've been watching it, and, and hope it's been very very interesting so far. That's great. Your boy Louis Oosthuizen leading. Oh, how about that? Hey, that's our weekly dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. Dave, thank you so much as always. Thanks, John. Okay. 866-979-ESPN-206-421-ESPN. ESPN. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. Our thanks to Matt Nelson for producing the show. Our thanks to Matt Nelson for running the show. And also, it's great to have him back. I mean, he's been you know busy going through all kinds of different things in the last couple of weeks, attending great events and all that stuff. So, Matt, welcome back. Uh, and coming up next, sports, uh, Seattle Sports Saturday, welcome back there, too. So that should be great. Let's go to Ethan in Hood Canal. Hey, Ethan. Well, hey, John. Hey, it's a great uh, pleasure and honor to talk to you. I have a question. we got the NHL expansion draft for the Seattle Kraken coming up Wednesday, and I want to know what you think uh, our team might look like. I know... There's talk that the Canadians might uh, not protect uh, Shea Weber, and just wondering if you have any other thoughts on who we might be having as our players. Yeah, and that's it. I mean, I'll uh, take my question off the air. Yeah, Ethan, thank you. It's like, un- unfortunately, you know, having not been, uh, you know, watching the NBA, not watching, but it's like not being close to the NHL since moving out here. Because uh, again, I used to you know, do a lot of penguin stuff and all that stuff. I don't know a lot of the current players, but what I do know is what they did is, and I think this helps out because we watched it with Vegas a couple years ago. The fact that, you know, they lowered the number of players that you can protect and now put better players out there. I think it gives this team a chance to really get better fast and do well. I mean, we saw the success in the last couple years with Las Vegas and what they were able to do. But as far as the names of the players, that one I'm not close to because again, you know, I can look at the names and I can look at lists and all that stuff, but it's not going to sink in because I've not watched hardly any of these players play. And so it's like uh, I can't give you names, but I can give you theories that I think that this team has a chance to be reasonably good. I mean, because, again, you look at what happens in expansion and we'll watch this in a few years when the NBA expands and gets Seattle back in the league is that, you know, they're at the bottom of the list. You don't get many, you don't get many guys and you have to kind of build through the draft. And it takes a lot of time. At least I give credit in the NHL that they want these expansion teams to be as good as they can, as fast as they can. So I think that's a good thing. But Ethan, I'm sorry to say, but I can't give you any names because I just don't know them. Let's go to Paul in Richmond beach. Hey, Paul. Well, sir, I am going to let me get you off speaker. Hang on a second. Yeah. Okay. Hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, great. Um, there we go. So uh, I've been a Seahawks fan since day one, and normally I'm pretty dialed in. Yeah. This year, I think it's going to be an amazing year, but I've just kind of been out of it. So I had a few questions for you. Yeah, go ahead. Fire away. Uh, yeah, okay. I look at the league. I look at the division this year. I see, mm-hmm. you know, four very good clubs. I'm curious, who do you really think will win the the, uh, the NFC West? Or is it just I, 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 I lean towards Seattle because I think what ended up happening is the overblown Russell Wilson story. You know, complaining to Dan Patrick uh, at, right after the Super Bowl and to Colin Coward and all that. You know, made everybody nationally think, oh, this team's a mess and there's problems. Well, it's the problems have been fixed. 
Okay, you know, Russell got okay. the type of things that he wanted. I mean, he got an offensive coordinator, Shane Waldron, that he likes. I think he's got an offensive right. system that he likes. I think he likes the additions that they've made on offense. And so, and it's still not done yet. So, I think when you look at the whole picture, you know, that looks positive. And like anything else, you know, in a tight division, which is this is going to be, I mean, it's still the best quarterback. And it's like you have to say that Russell Wilson. Uh, I know Tyler. Uh, you know Tyler Murray's getting better, and I know that uh, you know you got sure. Jimmy Garoppolo and Matthew Stafford, but he's the best quarterback, and I think their defense has right. a chance to be pretty good. So it's like overall, I think right now Seattle has the best chance to win the division, even though most people outside of this area don't. Yeah, I imagine most people are going to point to Los Angeles. That yeah. what appears to be a you know a decent upgrade in quarterback. Now a question about them: Did they address their running game? No, their, their offense seems to require. A strong running attack. Really yeah, but I'll, I'll tell you what, it, it's the the guy that they didn't use as much as they will this year was Cam Akers. And I think Cam Akers is okay. the guy to address the running back position. You know, because what, Daryl Henderson, you know, he's just a guy, I think more a backup than a starter. But I think Cam Akers has a chance to do pretty well. I mean, the big thing I wonder about is that, you know, they had 11 free agents and they lost 10 of them. And, of course, you know, they lost four starters on defense. And I think that's going to be a little bit of a factor, too. And, you know, they're still tight against the cap and everything else. But, uh, you know, it's going to be a tight race. Because I, I think right now the Rams are the second best team, but not by much. Okay. I mean, I think it's very close. Do you think the uh, Seattle secondary is going to be okay dealing with uh, Stafford to Brandon Cook, Stafford? Uh, if the, the, if, the pa- if the pass rush is there, the answer is yes. If the pass rush starts okay. out like it did last year, then the answer is going to be no. But say what you want. You can talk about the secondary. But, you know, they do have two pro bowlers at safety. And, you know, DJ sure. Reed did some good stuff last year. Arkello Witherspoon yeah. will be competing certainly against Trey Flowers. And we'll see how that goes. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Sir. Hey, Paul, thank you so much. And thank Bye. you, everybody. Coming up next, Seattle Sports Saturday. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle.